1: Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Diva podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel, And today I want to respond to a very thoughtful question sent in by a listener, Anne, on the nutritional value of fortified foods. But before we get to that, I also wanted to take a moment to answer a question that came in on the Nutrition Diva listener line. Hi, Nutrition Diva. It seems that she recently bought her husband a dehydrator for his birthday and he is now dehydrating all of the produce in our home. My question is, how does the nutritional value of dehydrated fruits and veggies compare to the produce in its more natural form? Thank you. Okay. All forms of food processing, including washing, involve some degree of nutrient loss. Even just sitting in the crisper drawer of your refrigerator or on your counter, fruits and vegetables are going to lose some of their nutritional value over time. Not all nutrients are equally affected, though. Water-soluble vitamins, like vitamin C, tend to be among the more fragile ones. Fat-soluble vitamins, such as vitamin A, are a bit sturdier. Minerals, like calcium and zinc, as well as macronutrients, like fiber or protein, are even less affected by processing or cooking. Among the different forms of processing, dehydrating and freezing generally preserve more nutrients than baking or boiling. They may even retain more nutrients than quote-unquote fresh produce that's been sitting around for a while. The thing is, no matter how you process your produce, there is still plenty of valuable nutrition to be had from them. In fact, the recommendations for how many servings of fruits and vegetables you should eat are based in part on the assumption that some of them will be cooked or otherwise processed and will have suffered some nutrient losses dehydrating fruits and vegetables can be a great way to keep fresh produce from spoiling before you can eat it. And for sure, you're going to get more nutritional value from fruits and vegetables that you dehydrate versus those that you end up composting. And listen, if you're using your dehydrator to make kale chips, which you then eat instead of Doritos, who cares if a microgram or two of vitamin K gets lost in the process? You are still way ahead of the game. The one thing that you miss out on with dehydrated fruits and vegetables is the natural water content of fresh produce, and that serves a variety of functions. Fresh produce can be up to 98% water by weight, and that's an important source of hydration in the diet. And that water also helps fill your stomach, which can be helpful with portion control. So while I'm not really worried about the nutrient losses involved in the dehydration process, and I'm all about reducing food waste... I'd encourage your husband to leave at least some of the produce in your house in its undehydrated state for you to enjoy that way as well. And by the way, if you'd like to leave a question on the listener line, the number for that is 443-961-6026. Escape to Ocean City,
0: Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday,
1: Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. And now here's Anne's question about fortification, which came in by email. She wrote, We are always advised that it's better to get our nutrients from food, if possible, rather than supplements. So where do fortified foods fit in, in terms of meeting our daily requirements? The first thing to understand is that fortification does not serve the same purpose as nutritional supplementation. Fortification programs are really more about population-wide health effects than they are about individual nutrition. They often target nutrients that are either deficient in the food supply or widely underconsumed and pair them with a food that is very widely consumed in order to maximize the impact. For example, there are a lot of areas in the world where there's not a lot of naturally occurring iodine in the soil or the water. Now, in prior centuries, there were a lot of people running around the world with goiters on their necks. This is a swelling of the thyroid gland that results from iodine deficiency. Today, goiters are pretty rare, at least in developed nations, and this is because iodine is now commonly added to table salt. Folic acid is another case of fortification for the benefit of public health. The mandated addition of folic acid to flour and flour-based products has dramatically reduced the incidence of devastating neural tube defects in infants, which are caused by folate deficiency. Similarly, the fortification of milk with vitamin D, another nutrient that does not naturally occur in a whole lot of foods, has largely eliminated rickets, from the developed world. So as you can see, fortification programs can be a very effective way to address widespread health challenges. But beyond these targeted public health initiatives, food manufacturers often add nutrients to foods in order to boost their nutritional profile, and that allows them to better position these foods as an important part of a healthy diet. Now, in some cases, this fortification is used to bring a food up to nutritional parity with another one. For example, Americans have traditionally gotten a large percentage of their daily calcium requirement from milk and other dairy products. Now, a lot of plant-based milks have calcium added to them so that they provide a similar amount to dairy milk. And even though the added calcium in these products may not be quite as well absorbed as the naturally occurring calcium in cow's milk, it's certainly better than nothing. Breakfast cereals are among the most aggressively fortified food products. Even highly sweetened cereals can contain the equivalent of a daily multivitamin. But do these nutrients really impact our health and nutrition? Do they provide enough benefit to offset the negative impacts of the refined sugar? Well, you know what? That really depends. If you are eating a diet that's rich in nutrient dense foods, then most of the added nutrients in a bowl of fortified cereal are probably surplus to your requirements. And in that case, there's not a lot of nutritional benefit to offset those added sugars. However, for those who are experiencing food insecurity or who are eating a very poor quality diet, and unfortunately, That's a pretty large sector of our population. For them, that same bowl of sugar frosted, vitamin fortified nuggets with milk, whether that's part of a subsidized school breakfast program or all you can afford to give your kids for dinner, that may be playing a very important role in their overall nutrition. According to research published this year in a journal called Frontiers and Nutrition, People who eat ready-to-eat cereal, we're talking things like Cheerios or Frosted Flakes, have a higher intake of vitamins A, D, E, calcium, iron, fiber, and other nutrients than those who don't eat ready-to-eat cereal. And this is largely due to the nutrients that have been added to these foods. And these differences are most dramatic in lower-income households, people who are often relying on food assistance programs like WIC, SNAP, or school breakfast and lunch programs. For kids aged 2 to 18 who live in lower-income households, those who eat cereal get 71% more iron than those who don't. Their vitamin C intake is 21% higher, vitamin E intake is 11% higher, and so on. And that can add up to a significant difference in terms of their overall nutrient intake. You're likely to get as much iron from a bowl of fortified cereal as you'll get from all the other foods you eat that day combined. Here's Amy Cohn. She's a registered dietitian and senior nutrition manager for cereal at General Mills. Cereal has
0: long been identified as an ideal food for fortification due to its convenience, affordability, wide consumption across the lifespan, and its ability to have a uniform distribution of nutrients that are stable and
1: bioavailable. Not many foods can do that. Now, keep in mind that all of this does not apply to organic cereals because these do not have vitamins and minerals added to them. I know this might be a little hard for some listeners to swallow because I've choked over this myself, but a bowl of organic steel-cut oats might actually be less helpful in meeting some of those basic nutrient needs than a bowl of ready-to-eat fortified frosted flakes with milk. Now, obviously, a bowl of fortified unfrosted flakes would also meet those needs without that added sugar, but if the frosted flakes actually get eaten and the unfrosted ones don't, that becomes a moot point. You might also be surprised, as I was, to learn that added sugar intake is actually slightly lower for lower-income kids that eat ready-to-eat cereal versus those who don't. So here's the irony of this. For those with the resources and the inclination to eat a healthy diet, a bowl of sugar-sweetened cereal might simply be a guilty pleasure, and it's one I'll admit to enjoying once in a while myself. But for others, including millions of children, that same bowl of cereal may well represent the most nutritious meal of the day. Now, I just want to briefly mention one other category of heavily fortified foods, and those are the expensive bars, shakes, and beverages that are pitched to the health-conscious crowd. And these are the people who probably need them the least. In the context of a healthy, nutritious diet, this level of fortification is completely unnecessary and without any real benefit. In other words, if you're nutrition-focused enough to buy bottled water with added vitamins, you probably don't need the extra vitamins. And if you are actually buying expensive bottled water or meal replacement bars as a way of meeting your nutritional needs, well, I think you'd get more benefit by investing those same resources in more real whole foods. I'd really love to know what you think about this issue of fortification, either as a public health initiative or as a matter of individual nutrition. Drop me an email at nutrition at quickanddirtytips.com. I'd love to hear from you. Nutrition Diva is a Quick and Dirty Tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Nathan Sems with script editing by Adam Cecil. Our podcast and advertising operations specialist is Morgan Christensen. Our digital operations specialist is Holly Hutchings. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. And our intern is Brendan Pika.